0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Drum Life Podcast. I wanted to spend this episode in tribute to the late, great, the legend, Mr. Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones, who we lost this last week at the age of 80. Charlie and the Rolling Stones have always been there. Uh, For most of us growing up, we don't know a rock world without the Rolling Stones. So the loss of Charlie Watts, in my mind, is the loss of that sound forever. That's the loss of the Rolling Stones. That's the loss of that groove. So to suddenly not have that really makes you look back... And appreciate that is that that has always been there for you that Charlie has always been behind the drums for you that sound has always been there and we can always go back to it and we should be forever grateful for that one story that's been told a million times uh, I'm gonna say at a million and one now is the famous story about Charlie Watts punching out Mick Jagger I love this story I love hearing it every time it's never going to get old So, this story I'm reading here from vulture.com by Mike Edison. This is an excerpt from Sympathy for the Drummer. All right, here we go. By 1984, the Stones are not getting along at all, but they're trying to patch things up, and they find themselves in Amsterdam for a meeting. Mick and Keith are still on lousy terms, but they decide to go out for a few, a few being Mick's limit. Anyway, Keith lends Mick a jacket to go out. Not incidentally, the one that Keith got married in, and they get back to the hotel around five in the morning, properly potted. At which point, Mick has the bright idea, against Keith's sage advice, to call up Charlie's room and demand, "Where's my drummer?" According to Keith, twenty minutes later there was a knock at the door. There was Charlie Watts, Savile Row suit, perfectly dressed, tie, shaven, the whole f-ing bit. I could smell the cologne. I opened the door, and he didn't even look at me. He walked straight past me, got a hold of Mick, and said, Never call me your drummer again, and then hauled him up by the lapels of my jacket and gave him a right hook. Keith calls it the drummer's punch and says it's lethal. It carries a lot of balance and timing. Nothing less than you would expect from a guy whose right hand has been carrying the weight of the greatest rock and roll band in the world for 20 years. So far, so good. But here's the part that everyone forgets. The Charlie Watts right hook is, in fact, no laughing matter. And Mick flies back onto a platter of smoked salmon and begins to slide out the open window toward the canal below. And admit it, Mick Jagger sliding out a window on a platter of smoked fish into a canal is f***ing hilarious. That's right. You know, if you're gonna make a statement... Make it one hundred percent. Make it all the way. Now, there's a last little tag um, in uh, in what Charlie says there that uh, I can't find proof on, but I, I think it it's fitting. He says, "Don't ever call me your drummer again. You're my f-ing singer." And I love it. That kind of puts a little bow on top, and uh, you know that kind of buttons it up for me. I love that one. Now, I believe that the genius of Charlie Watts is in the fact that he was the best in the world at being Charlie Watts. Now, that's kind of a flat statement, and I understand that. But think about yourself as a musician. How good are you at being you? Are you the best at being you? Are you the best at following your own instincts musically? I don't know. It's still something that I struggle with. How many times have you been told to sound like somebody else, or play like this, or listen to this to influence who you are? Charlie played what he played, and that was it. That was the beginning and the end of the entire story, and it fit perfectly. You knew what you were getting into listening to Rolling Stones. You knew what you were getting into seeing a Stones show. You were seeing a drummer and assorted novelty acts, being the best at who they were. And as a musician, that is a very, very, very difficult thing to do, especially now. Everyone sounds exactly the same. Let's just talk about the rock world. There's so much production that happens between the drummer actually hitting a drum and hitting a cymbal. Uh, Fast forward a couple of months of engineering and, and production and sweetening and beat detectiving and all that, and then you hear the end result, and it's a drum track that sounds exactly the same as everything else that's out there. There are no dynamics, everything is completely crunched down, so every note is loud, maxed out. So where's the identity? Where is the character... Now, that's another discussion about, you know, editing and, you know, how far do you get down that rabbit hole before you completely sterilize the track uh, where you might as well have just plugged in a drum machine in the first place. Now, let's talk about one of the Rolling Stones' famous songs, Honky Tonk Women. Now, Honky Tonk Women is a song that is being played on the radio somewhere in the United States right now. It's on the radio somewhere. It will always be on the radio somewhere. You've heard it hundreds of times. If you're a drummer and you play in a cover band, you play bars and clubs, you've played this song probably hundreds of times as well. And I encourage you, drummer or not, to go to YouTube and search for Charlie Watts' Isolated Drums. And one of the videos up there is Honky Tonk Women, the isolated drum track for that song. And just listen to the sound. Listen to the groove. I want you to listen to a couple more things. Listen how there's only one crash to start and one crash at the very end. The body of the song, there's no crash symbols. There's no flash. There's nothing. It's just solid groove. I also want you to listen to the first part of the song, and as the song goes, how everything speeds up. The song ends a good three or four clicks faster than where it started. Now that you know that, what does that mean? Does that change your perception? Does that set off your uh, you know your drumming red flags that everything has to be to a click no matter what? Would the song be the same if it was? Part of the energy of that song is that it does have momentum. That song does speed up. Now, there's this one and many others where the groove breathes. It goes forward and it comes back a little bit. And that's one of the genius things about Charlie Watts. He felt the music as it was happening. This section needed to breathe a little. This section needed to have a little bit more bite. And for me, it's that life that made the song I mean, really. Take music. Take any art, for that matter. The whole point of art is to take life and show it to you in a different way. That's where the song went. And Charlie's job was to take that, translate it for the rest of us, and express that. And that, friends, is the genius of Charlie Watts. So to close out, I want to read you something that really stuck with me. Uh, This was an interview with uh, Questlove for uh, Rolling Stone Magazine. And he said, A solid foundation to me is more important than the size of your drum set or how fast you drum or how loud you drum. And only real drummers know the value of Charlie Watts and the fact that he was the world's greatest metronome. Because Charlie did less, that made him more. Thank you, Charlie Watts, for decades of keeping it cool behind the drum set and showing the rest of us how it's done. Thanks for joining me today, friends. I'll see you next week with another episode of That Drum Life podcast. Until then, have a great week. Follow the rules. Get vaccinated. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Take care of yourself. Take care of one another. Bye for now.